This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Well, once again, I have no time to chat, so it's off we go to the Old West and another adventure with Marshal Matt Dillon on Gunsmoke. Around Dodge City and in the territory on West, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of Gunsmoke. Starring William Conrad, the story of the violence that moved west with young America, the story of a man who moved with it, Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Got you. Wild Hog, you there? Who are you? Put that spear down. Listen, Wild Hog and me are friends, big friends. You'll make much noise. You're Cheyenne, ain't you? You must be with Wild Hog. What name, you white man? I'm Ward Spicer. Ward Spicer, you hear? You bother me and you'll be in big trouble with Wild Hog. No trouble. Tell these other redskins to put their spears down. I need more room. Come, white man. Are you with Wild Hog or ain't you? Much talk, come. All right. Any tricks, I'll shoot you first. Anybody else? I want to be in Dodge tonight. Come. Sword Spicer, all right. Yes. These braves of yours sure keep you covered. Can't tell one from another, except you, of course. Hayden thought maybe I'd run into the wrong Indians. No moon tonight. Oh, I recognized them as Cheyennes, all right, but you never know with... With... With what, Spicer? Nothing, Wild Hog. Forget it. You never know with Indians. 
Now, Wild Hog, you and me are friends. Don't get so touchy. I didn't mean nothing. We are not friends. I pay you. That is all. Sure, we're friends. You're about the most educated Indian I ever met, that's why. I learn only English from the white men. Nothing else. You sure had a good teacher, fellow. General Custer, many bitter moons ago. I was a scout. Don't matter. I never heard of him. He was killed. Well, that's nothing to do with me. You got the money, Wild Hog? Yes. Here. Five hundred dollars. Five hundred? Our deal was for a thousand. You will get the rest later. But I'm running a big risk for you, Cheyennes. This is mighty dangerous work, Wild Hog. It will be even more dangerous if we do not meet again, Spicer. Oh, Wild Hog, you can trust me. I'll be back, you know that. Yes. When? Ooh, two, three days. Where will I find you? Make camp near here. We'll find you. Okay. I'll get on into Dodge now. Goodbye, Wild Hog. Don't get drunk, Spicer. <laughs> Never touch it. Hey, bartender. Set out another bottle of whiskey for me and my friend. Uh, what'd you say you're called, stranger? Ord Spicer, friend. Mm-hmm. Here, let me fill your glass. Some time you got here, Dodge. You sure easy with your money, Spicer. Nothing's too good for my friend. Say, what name you go by anyway? You got a lot of money, Spicer. Sure, I got money. I'll have more soon. Must have hit it rich, huh? <laughs> sure, I hit it rich. Easy money, friend. Easy money. How'd you do it, Spicer, anyway? Friend, I live like a gambler. My life's chicken one day and feathers the next. Right now, it's all chicken. Yeah, but how'd you do it? You made out real good, Spicer. Brains and guts, friend. Brains and guts. That's all it takes. I know, I know, but, but how? You don't get money like that robbing old Indians. What's that? Huh? What'd you say about Indians? Well, it's just a way of saying it back home. Don't get on the pride about it. Maybe you talk too much. Maybe you ask too many questions. Hey, what's the matter with you anyway? Maybe you know too much. Look, Spicer, you're hiding something. Don't trouble yourself. I ain't interested in you, your money, or your liquor. I don't like that. You don't have to. You bet I don't. Keep your eyes right on mine, Spicer. I want to watch you die. Spicer. There's that Ord Spicer fellow you locked up, and then there's a drunk who tried to buffalo me after you went to bed. No? Did you have any trouble with him? A little, Mr. Dillon. He tried to hit me on the head with his six-gun. Well, you look all right. Oh, he didn't do it, sir. I bit his thumb and kneed him at the same time. (laughs) Well, that's quite a trick, Chester. You must have been practicing. No, sir, I haven't been practicing. But I had it all thought out. (laughs) I see. All right, let's turn Spicer loose. I'll go get him, Mr. Dillon. About time. Where's my gun, Marshal? There it is, Spicer. And, uh, don't use it around here anymore. You can't bother a man for self-defense. I just want you to stay out of Dodge. One kill at your limit here. 
even in self-defense. I ain't a fear to you, Marshal. Besides, this is a poor town anyways. You can have it. My. That man would kick a hog barefoot him. <laughs> he sure would, Chester. There's something real bad about him. Yeah, I don't know what it is, Chester, and I hope I don't have to find out. Yeah, you'll go away. Fellows like that got to keep moving. Seems like nobody wants him. Now, don't feel sorry for him, Chester. He got that way all by himself. Yes, sir. I mean, no, sir. Morning, Marshal. Those graders get here yet, Jack? Yep. Come in on the Santa Fe yesterday, Marshal. Four of them. Uh, right back here. Oh, good. Beautiful guns, ain't they? Just beautiful. <laughs> You're a good storekeeper, Jack, but I only need two of them. Well, I can make you a good price on all four, Marshal. It wouldn't be any good if I don't need four, would it? Well, maybe not, but I never know. I got half a dozen forty-four Sharps rifles, same shipment. Thought I'd be stuck with them forever. Well, with the big 50 out now, there ain't a Buffalo 100 use a 44 anymore. I don't see any 44s. Well, that's just what I'm telling you. Feller stopped in just this morning, took all six. Paid me $75 a piece, too. You sold six rifles to one man? That's right, Marshal. The Buffalo Hunter? Looked more like a drifter to me. Had plenty of cash, though. You know his name? No idea. Nothing wrong with it, was there, Marshal? Been a holdup around here I haven't heard about? No, no. Just a lot of rifles for one man to buy. No log in it, is there? What'd this man look like, Jack? Tall, skinny. Kind of mean face. Mm-hmm. You wear one six gun, black grips. Yeah. Come to think of it, he did. You know him? Yeah. Lord Spicer. He killed a man last night. Well, now I heard about that shooting. What do you suppose he's up to now? Where'd he go? I wouldn't know it. Packed the rifles on a mule and rode out of town. You going after him, Marshal? No, no. Just like you say, Jack. No law against a man buying all the rifles he wants. Seems strange, that's all. Well, let's settle on the price for those greeners, huh? Next day, Chester and I took the new greeners and rode out for a prairie chicken. We had a sackful within an hour, and we headed back to town, arguing on the way as to whether we'd bake the birds whole or... Just cut the breasts off and broil them. We still hadn't settled the matter when we reached Dodge. And we never did. The stage from Hayes City had arrived half hour before, bringing with it the bodies of two men found alongside the road. They were just laying there, Marshal, about five miles back. Both shot dead, but I thought I'd better bring them in anyway. Did you recognize them, Pete? No, Marshal, I didn't. The doc says there are a couple of riders from the T-Bar outfit. Yeah. He got them up in his office now. You bring in their horses? No sign of a horse. But there was an awful lot of tracks around. All right. I'll go see if Doc's found anything. Uh, hang around, Pete, will you? I may want some more information from you. Okay, if I do my waiting at the Alifraganza, Marshal? <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. I'll put our horses up, Mr. Dillon. Uh, yours, Chester. I may want mine. Yes, sir. Just finishing up here. Be right with you. How'd they die, Doc? Well, they got half shot and then shot dead, Marshal. Yeah, I know, I know. But uh, is there any way of telling if maybe they killed each other? Hey, uh... Ah, yeah. that does it. No, there is, Marshal, but I'd be mighty surprised if they did. Now, what do you mean, Doc? Well, they were cowboys, Marshal. Cowboys just don't generally carry buffalo guns. Yeah, take a look. What? I dug some of these out of each of them. Those are slugs from a sharps rifle, Marshal. Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. That one's the best I found right there. Yeah. What caliber did you say this is, Doc? Oh, I'd guess 44. Yeah, 44 sharps. Mm -hmm. Not many 44s in use around here since the big 50 came out. I know a man with six of them, Doc. Hmm? Hmm. What do you think of that? 
I'll let you know when I get back. So long, Doc. We will return for the second act of Gunsmoke in just a moment. But first, behind the famous creaking door to Inner Sanctum tomorrow evening, there lies one of the most hair-raising tales to date. Meet Raymond, your host on Inner Sanctum, tomorrow night on most of these same CBS radio stations. Now, the second act of Gunsmoke. The stage driver rode with me back to where he found the bodies, and from there I rode on alone. It was an easy trail at first. There must have been more than a dozen horses running together. Long toward dusk, however, they suddenly split up, and I was faced with two different trails to follow. I made a gambler's choice and rode harder than ever. There was only an hour of light left to track by when my horse stepped into a prairie dog hole and snapped his leg and went over hard. My head glanced off a rock. There was a shower of light. And nothing. That's him, all right. That's Dylan. He's a marshal at Dodge, I told you about. I think he is not dead. Stop. What will you have done? But you can't let him live. He'd kill us, all right. I'm going to kill him anyway. You'll die for it if you do. Okay. You're the boss. But you'll wish I'd shot him. No. He's coming to now. Huh. We take care of him our own way. White Cloud, mm-hmm. pick up his guns. Yeah, he isn't hurt. Just knocked out, that's all. Indians. Cheyennes. I'm no Indian, Marshal. Spicer. Yeah. Sure. No tricks now, Marshal. These redskins will shoot you to pieces. Yeah. Are those new Sharps 44s you bought them, huh, Spicer? It's no business of yours, Marshal. Not now. You're through. You're all the way through. Spicer, you're under arrest. What? I said you're under arrest. Now, Marshal, what are you arresting me for? Not that it matters much. For selling guns to Indians and on suspicion of murder. All right, so I'm under arrest, but, Marshal, I want to ask you something. Yeah. How are you going to take me in, that's all? Just how are you going to manage it? I'll worry about that. You sure will. Come on, Wild Hog, let's shoot him and get it over with. This is a man of much heart. I admire his courage. To stand with death on all sides and arrest a man. No, we will not kill him. Not yet. But you can't take him with us. White Cloud, give him a horse. Come. They gave me a horse, all right, with the T-Bar brand on it. But I was surrounded by six armed Indians and a no-good white who'd shoot me any time he thought he could get by with it. Wild Hog rode up ahead, leading the party northwest, apparently to rendezvous with a bunch that had split off from this one. Spicer stayed right alongside of me. Well, am I still under arrest, Marshal? You're still guilty, aren't you? Sure. I'll admit it. Don't matter, being as how you'll never see Dodge again or any other place. What are you doing with these Cheyennes here anyway, Spicer? I got a deal with Wild Hog, Marshal. Real good deal. Killing white men, part of it? They don't need any help there, Marshal. They like to kill white men. Maybe they'll kill you before they're through. No, I'm too valuable to them. They like me. No? Now, why would they like you? Well, they didn't at first. But I talked them into it. Talk Wild Hog into it. He's a smart fella, that Indian. Saw right away what I could do for him. If 
By buying those rifles. What else did you do for him? Well, I stopped those two riders with the horses. Told them I was sick. Got them off guard. Those Cheyennes were on before they could move. It was real easy. You're kind of like a Judas sheep in a slaughter pen, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's it, Marshal. Pays better, though. I got $500 coming since we find a rancher to raid. I see. Pretty good deal, huh? You know, I think a lot more of these Indians than I do of you, Spicer. I don't like that, Marshal. At least they got an argument on their side. But you're just a renegade white. I'll kill you for that, Marshal. Now shut up. All right, you've asked for it. Shoot me and Wild Hog will split you wide open, Spicer. Besides, he spotted the rest of his party up there. Huh? Oh, yeah. All right for now, Marshal. But I'll see you dead. I promise I'll see you dead. <laughs> still alive two days later when we crossed the Smoky Hill River about a hundred miles northwest of Dodge. There were 15 Cheyennes in the party. And day and night, two of them, by turns, never took their eyes off of me. They seemed anxious for an excuse to cut my throat. I had to watch every movement I made. Looked pretty hopeless. Wild Hog was smart and he took no chances. But often he and I rode along together, though always flanked by my two warrior guards. Country is greener already. Better every mile. Why have you been raiding so far south, Wild Hog, if you like this land better? We are northern Cheyenne, Marshal, in the Bighorn Mountains. The army took us south to a reservation in the Oklahoma Territory. Ah, so that's it. You jumped your reservation, huh? Why should we live in a hot, flat land that has no game? But the army will be after you again. You've broken the law. Whose law? Ours or yours? All right, Wild Hog. But the Indian has a law against murder. You've broken that twice that I know of. Cheyenne does not speak of it as murder to kill his enemy. Those cowboys weren't your enemy, Wild Hog. They weren't fighting you. The army drove us from our home in the mountains. The army took our horses from us. We are going back home now on other horses, that's all. That doesn't explain your killing. Those men were peaceful. Marshal, if I could, I would kill every white man in the country. But I cannot. The Indian nations cannot. Red man has always fled before the white man. Those cowboys weren't chasing you? We needed their horses. They didn't even have a chance to fight. You tricked them. Is it only the white man who was allowed to trick his enemy? I was young once, Marshal, but I have seen too much trickery and lies and destruction and broken promises. I'll admit that's happened, Wild Hog. But you know, not every man is a liar and a killer. No. There are white men like you. And there are white men like Spicer. Spicer. Tell me something. Would you consider Ord Spicer guilty of murder? The Indian is Spicer's enemy, not his own people. Therefore, it is murder. Then you understand why it's Spicer I came after, not you. Why not me, Marshal? You're the Army's problem, not mine. I expect to fight the Army many times before we reach the mountains. Yeah. What, uh... What are your plans for me, Wild Hog? I have been thinking. Yeah? I do not know yet. What about Spicer? Spicer works for me. Why should I think about him? Then you're not as smart as I figured. All right, Marshal. I do not trust Spicer. He is a traitor to his own people and only for money. 
I have rifles now and enough horses. I do not need Spicer. You're going to kill him? Why not? He is only another white man. You said yourself you can't kill all the white men. If you were free, Marshal, you would take him back and let other white men kill him. What difference how he dies? Makes a difference to me, Wild Hawk. I'm a lawman. I may have to kill you, too. You're a hard man to be friends with. I will explain to you, Marshal. It matters little about any Indian. A few more winters and not many of my people will be alive. I do not complain of our fate. Tribe follows tribe, nation follows nation. It is the law of nature. A white man's turn to be defeated and to disappear will come. It is just a matter of time. And so we may be brothers after all, Marshal. I'm not sure I believe all of that, Wild Hog. Of course not. Still, I recognize you as a warrior among your people, as I am a warrior among mine. Too bad we're not on the same side. As long as we are brave and willing to die, it does not matter. I ride ahead now. You stay with the others. That night we reached the North Fork of the Solomon River and camped with the shadow of low hills not many miles ahead. Wild Hog ordered my guards to keep me some distance from the rest of the party. So I pulled up some buffalo grass and bedded down on it early. I watched the stars until sleep came. Next thing I heard was the sound of horses fading off in the distance. The two braves guarding me had disappeared, so I got up and walked carefully back to where the Cheyennes were camped. There, a couple of horses stood tied to a bush, but they were alone. The Indians had left. I stopped for a moment to listen. And then, suddenly, I saw the figure of a man lying in the moonlight about 20 feet off. Spicer. Uh, Spicer. Now, there's no blood on you. You're all right. Come on a minute, man. Come on. Yeah. Here. You've been knocked out, that's all. Now, come on, sit up. Uh, oh. Don't you, Marshal. What, what happened? Where are they? Where's Wild Hall? They've gone. Gone? Gone where? Yeah, I mean... Where'd they go? They've been headed for the Bighorn Mountains. Less chance of running into the army if they travel at night. But they couldn't leave me. Not here. Not now. Looks like they did. Some brave club, Jim, they rode off, that's all. But I gotta go with them. You're still groggy, Spicer. And you're still under arrest. Remember? You can't take me in, Marshal. Wild Hog will be back. He won't let you. Why do you think he left you here, Spicer? We're, we're friends. Big friends, me and Wild Hog. You got no friends. You don't belong in anybody's camp. And I'm taking you back to Dodge anyway. That murdering Redsky's a better man than you, Spicer. He's brave and he's willing to die. Now, come on, we got a long ride back. <laughs> Under the direction of Norman MacDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was specially written for Gunsmoke by John Meston, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in tonight's cast were Harry Bartell, Larry Dobkin, Herb Vigran, and Jack Crucian. 
Harley Bear is Chester, and Howard McNear is Dark. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. Stay tuned for Life with Luigi, next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for J. Carol Nash to star as Luigi Basco in Life with Luigi. We invite you to enjoy life, Life with Luigi, a new comedy show created by Cy Howard and starring that celebrated actor, Mr. J. Carol Nash, with Alan Reed. ago when Luigi Vasco left Italy to start his new life in America, he promised his mother that he would write her and tell her about his adventures. So now we look over Luigi's shoulder as he writes another letter to Mama Vasco in Italy. Dear Mama Mia, it's now almost one year I'm in America and everything is a new and exciting, like a traffic system they got here in Chicago. Streets is a full of people and a cars. In our little town in Italy is also traffic. Streets is a full of people and the goats. <laughs> I'm gonna remember how every day a goat to run over somebody. Over here is a much safer. I'm in Chicago one a year, and I'm gonna never see anybody get a hit by a goat. <laughs> Mamma mia, I explain to you traffic system in America. It is a very simple. Here they have a light. Red lights mean the car is a stop, the people are go. Green lights means the car is a go, people are stop. It's a nice and a simple. Only trouble is the mama mia in the middle, they got a yellow light. <laughs> I'm here a one a year, still I don't know what is the mean of yellow light. First I think is maybe to keep away mosquitoes. <laughs> then I'm a stand on the corner and a watch and a watch and a watch. And now I think I know. Yellow light is it to mix up everybody and to give a cop enough time to hand out the ticket. <laughs> Mamma mia, sometimes when I think about this traffic system, I, I think America is a very good, but maybe it's a safer for a man in Italy. Goats that don't have offenders. <laughs> this reminds me of our countryman Pasquale, who has a spaghetti palace the next door to my antique store. And who bring me to this country? He is still the one thing I should marry is a fat daughter Rosa. Pasquale, he's a got a, what they call here a single track of mine. And Rosa, she's a, the super chief. <laughs> like this morning, my door opened and. Luigi, my friend. Hello, Luigi. Hello, hello. <laughs> Hello, Pasquale. Luigi, my countryman, all the night long, I'm not to sleep better because I'm worried about you. Just look under my eyes. What do you see? Your nose. <laughs> no, no. What do you see on the top of my nose? More nose. <laughs> Luigi, look under my eyes. You see deep, dark circles. That's from worrying about you. And you know why I'm worrying about you? Why, Pasquale? Because the trouble with you is you never go out. You in a store all the time. All the day long, you sit and read. You sit and you sit. You use your head too much. <laughs> Pasquale, the reason I sit and read is because I'm studying the English language. What's it good to study English when the only one you talk to is me and we talk Italian? <laughs> Luigi, is the time you went out and meet other people. Why are you shutting yourself up? you like in the closet. You must go out and live and laugh and love. How I do this to Pasquale? Take out of my daughter Rosa. <laughs> I'm back in the closet again. <laughs> All right, have it your way. I'm not going to bother you about marrying Rosa. I'm going to come here to tell you to go out and have a good time. That's good for your health. Where do you think I should go, Pasquale? Well, we're all the tired of business and men are going at night. To bed? No, they go to night the clubs. They have a bed there? <laughs> Luigi is a night the club, but not a Turkish bath. <laughs> Pasquale, 
I like it to go out and enjoy myself when I go to my first night at the club. And to do the things American people do. But is there no enjoyment to go out there with your daughter, Rosa? No enjoyment to going out there with a Rosa, eh? <laughs> Luigi Bosco, look at you. Five foot to four, curly hair, two different color eyes, <laughs> big ears, a little nose, a crooked teeth, a green coat, a belt in the back, sneakers. Pasquale, nice to talk, but don't it change in my mind. Listen to your shrimp, your green horn, you. Nobody's gonna go out with you but a big dope. So why don't you go out with my Rosa? Pasquale, Rosa is a very nice girl, but not for me. Then who is it for you? You've been in America one year, you go out with nobody. Why? Because no American girls go out with you. That's not true. I never ask American girls. Luigi, you couldn't get an American girl even if you were born an American and a girl is born in Italy. <laughs> I prove you wrong, Pasquale. I get the American girl. All right, my little man. I'm telling you what I do. I show you Pasquale's sport. If you get American girl to go out with you tonight, I pay check at a nightclub. But if you don't get a girl to go out with you tonight, you take out a Rosa. Is it not the fair, Pasquale? Oh, little mouse is talking big. He's not so sure of himself. Huh? I'm sure of myself, Pasquale. I get American a girl and go out tonight, or my name is not Luigi Bosco. What do you say to that? Goodbye, Sam. <laughs> Teacher, Miss Spaulding. Hello, Mr. Luigi. What brings you to my classroom? There's something I want to talk to you about. For the first, here's an apple. What a lovely red apple. Miss Spaulding, if I have my way, I bring you ten apples every day. In a one a month, you have your own pushcart. <laughs> Mr. Luigi, it's nice of you to think of me that way. Miss Spaulding, I'm always a think about you. I remember when I first started in your night school class. Somebody tells me how much little salary you make. You know, since that day I'm coming to school with my own chalk. <laughs> Mr. Luigi, that wasn't necessary. And remember last Christmas, the whole class chips in and buys you a fountain pen. And you found the one extra present. Handkerchief. That handkerchief was yours? Out of my own pocket. I paid for it myself. <laughs> Mr. Luigi, that's very touching. You've got no idea how I feel about you. When I stand up in a night school, and I'm going to recite the Jack and the Jill one up at the hill, <laughs> then I'm saying it to myself, Luigi, when are you and Mr. Spaulding going to make it that trip? <laughs> I had no idea you felt this way. You've got no idea how I'm feeling. Remember when it shows that the stupid, delicatessen of man it puts a tack on your chair and you sit on it. Believe me, Miss Spaulding. The pain went right through my heart. <laughs> Please, Miss Spaulding. Is there something I must know? What is it? Would a nice American girl like you go out with a poor Italian fellow like me? Of course, Mr. Luigi. I wouldn't be an American if Columbus hadn't discovered this place. Aha! Pasquale is wrong. Tonight do we go tonight at the club. Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Luigi, but I have another date for tonight. Oh. Are you sure you tell the truth? Maybe you think I can't afford it. Not at all. That's the fellow I'm going out with tonight's very poor. He doesn't have a penny. Oh, he's another school teacher. <laughs> no. What is important for me, I must get American a girl for tonight. Why tonight? Because of Pasquale. Here's a say, I know can get American a girl. Now, Mr. Luigi, it's easy to know girls. Have you seen any American girls you like? Sure, I see. Well, then it's very simple. Why don't you call one of them up? How? Just use your phone book. Thank you, my teacher, Miss Spaulding. I do. <laughs> Mrs. Spaulding says to use the phone book. Sounds funny, but I use it. Chicago Telephone Directory. Classified. Let me see. Girls, I look under a G. <laughs> Garbage disposal. 
got them into bags of gas six of generators. Ah, ah, now I'm getting it close. Gurgle. <laughs> the last. Mamma mia, where's the girl? That's so funny, isn't it? A list of girls. Must be all out of town. Okay, I have a telephone book. Ah, here's a lot of names. American the telephone book, there must be full of good American names. Ah, look. Oh, hula hen. Prisoner, this luncheon, all of it. By Julian, Jung Lu, Krauss Meyer. Smith, ah, that's a good. I think I look up nice American names. Mary Smith. Huh. Let me see. Mary Smith. Mary Smith, Mary Smith, Mary Smith, Mary. <laughs> Must be a very popular girl to have her name in it so many times. <laughs> and the look that all the different addresses is she's a guy. Oh, Mimi, if people can't get a place to live with this girl, she's got a hundred apartments. <laughs> well, I think they call her up. I shot the squad. I'll find the American girl tonight. Hello, Mary Smith. This is Luigi Basco. Can you go out on a date with me tonight? This is Mr. Smith. What are you saying? Well, I find out a girl. I get a different American name. J- Jones. Betty Jones. That's the name. Hello? Hello? Is this uh, Miss Betty Jones? Yeah, who's this? This is Luigi. Oh, gee, Louie. No. No, Louie. Oh, cut it, Louie. When'd you get back? I'm a never went. Say, <laughs> are you pulling my leg? Oh, my telephone is not the possible. <laughs> Anyway. Luigi Basco. You're not kidding. No. There's a funny thing in America, nobody says a goodbye. <laughs> well, if it looks like a Pasquale is going to win as a bet, I'm going to try one more girl. Oh, here's a nice name Susie Brown. I try. Let me stand for one, please. What number are you calling, please? I'm not calling a number. I'm calling Susie Brown, Evanston of 41. That's a suburban call. I'll have to connect you with the toll operator. Hmm. Phone company has two sizes. Toll operator and a small operator. <laughs> well, I guess a toll operator is for long distance. <laughs> Hello? Hello? Is this Susie Brown, Evanston for Luigi Basco, maybe you got the medium size operator? <laughs> oh, you're a kidder. Sorry. Your number is busy. Mamma mia. Operator, are you busy? What do you mean, sir? Well, I'm going to a nightclub tonight. And I'd like to know if you like it to come with me. I'm sorry. It's against the company rules. Then you want to go? I didn't say that. I just said it was against company rules. Oh. However, it's not against the company rules to be in front of the Wrigley Building at 8 o'clock wearing red pumps, open toes, mesh stockings, 51 gauge, blue hat with brown feather, and I'll have on a scrumptious fur coat imitation I.J. Fox. <laughs> Peggy Marshak. <gasps> oh, shh. The supervisor's coming. Deposit another five cents, please. And how will I recognize you? Well, well, that's going to be hard. Wait. I know how you recognize me easy. How? I'm going to carry a balloon. And now for the second act of Luigi Vasco's Adventures in Chicago, we turn to page two of his letter to his mother in Italy. So now, Mamma Mia, I'm going to have it tonight. My first date with American girl. If you see me now, Mamma Mia, you think maybe your boy Luigi is a crazy. Here it is a Sunday and I'm already take a bath. <laughs> After that, I pour on myself some special stuff I buy from a barber. It's a very expensive. It cost me ten cents. I have a milk bottle. <laughs> 
Now, now you can smell me all the way to Italy. <laughs> also, to make good impression, I'm gonna dress up extra special. You should see my suit now. Looks a brand new after I'm gonna get through washing it. <laughs> so now, so now I'm gonna tell Pasquale all about my date with American girl. Hello, Pasquale. Oh, you like this. My eyes say it's a Luigi, but my nose I don't believe in my eyes. And stop making fun of me, Pasquale. I'm all dressed up for the night the club. Oh, Luigi, my son, I'm almost a forgot. Are you all dressed up to take out of my Rosa? No, I'm going to take out a telephone operator. Where you get a her? From a telephone company. <laughs> Must to be a new kind of service. <laughs> Pasquale, I'm not here to argue. Remember what you promised me. If I get a date to myself, you pay for the night club. That's the matter. You're crazy. You think I'm going to lock the barn when somebody's not going out to my horse? <laughs> but, but, Charlie, this afternoon you promised me. Then it was impossible for you to get a girl or was it possible for me to keep a promise? Now, is it possible for you to get a girl? Is it impossible for me to keep a promise? You mean, you mean you're not going to pay? My friend, I give you my answer in two words. Impossible. Pasquale, <laughs> you think you're killing my good time, huh? Well, you won't. I'm going to use my own money. I'm going to take a girl to night club. We eat, we drink, we dance, we go home in a taxi. And maybe even I'll buy her a flower. Oh, how much money you got, a little man? A dollar and eighty. A dollar eighty, you big stupid. You couldn't uh, you dollar eighty, eh? Sure, that's a fine, fine. With all of that money, you can have a wonderful night. You can go any place to eat all you want. You sure, Pasquale? Well, I prove you. Here, look at my menu. Ham sandwich is twenty cents. With a pickle, it's twenty cents. With a potato chip, the 20 cents. With a bread, the 25 cents. Pasquale, people eat during the daytime. Nighttime of food should be cheaper. Sure, that's right. So maybe a sandwich is only 15 cents. Or you order a whole dinner. In my restaurant, it's 65 cents. In a night the club, is a night the race, it's maybe 50 cents. You think... You think I can also order the wine? Sure, wine. I charge you 15 cents, maybe they only charge a nickel. Then I have enough to let for a taxi. Sure. That's right. Taxi is only 20 cents a mile. I go only half a mile, it's 10 cents. Sure. You see, Luigi, you take a girl out of tonight's club like a Chez Paris, you eat or you drink, you take a taxi, you still have a 40 cents left over. What are you going to do with so much about it? Let me see. I know. If I like a girl, tomorrow night I take her out again. In America, I love you. You like a papa to me. Almost. Hey, just five minutes after it, I wonder where is the girl. I'm standing here with my balloon. Maybe she's not to come. Hey. There's the girl with the red the shoes, the black the coat. Oh, Mr. Marshank. Here's me. I beg your pardon. I'm a fellow make a date with you. Luigi Bosco. See the balloon? Oh, brother. No. Not as a brother. It's for me, Luigi. <laughs> well, it was a very pleasant evening. Goodbye. Oh, but the lady. What about the date with a nightclub? Oh, where are you going to take me? Nice, quiet place. Here's the Paris. Here's Paris? Oh, you must be really loaded. Appearances are certainly deceitful. So, what about that to me? Okay, let's go. Yes, right this way, I have a nice table for the... Hey, ain't you Luigi Bosco? Remember me, Tony Manelli, Napoli. My father, fisherman. Tony Manelli. That's right. You little boy. Now you beg ahead away. <laughs> I'm happy to see you. Please, <laughs> Luigi, no case here. Okay. <laughs> hey, Luigi, 
Yeah, I, I understand you're going with the Pasquale's daughter, Rose. Last time I see Rose, she's a big goose like elephant. My this little girl, she looks just like a chicken. Don't worry, Rose is still big like elephant. This chicken is somebody else. Well, have a good time, Luigi. Fred, sit down the front of the special table. Well, good evening, Mister. That's a nice fellow, Luigi. Luigi, you said he the right people. Well, you see, I know him since I'm a baby. My mother used to clean a fish for his father. My father. My father, uh, there was a man. Every morning, winter, summer, snow, rain, he get up at five o'clock in the morning. What for? To wake up with my mother to go to work. It's a big place, no? Uh-huh. Right this way, sir. Your table. May I have your hat? It's no use to your take. No fit to you anyway. <laughs> oh, you're so continental. Excuse me while I go powder my nose. Order for me, will you, Louise? Uh, here's your menu, sir. Thank you, Mr. Waiter. I'm uh, going to order a big meal. Now, let me see. First, we start with, uh, with, uh, Waiter. I think there's a mistake in your menu. What's wrong? It'll say here. Ham sandwich at $2. <laughs> Enter the decimal point in the wrong place? <laughs> Should have been 20 cents. <laughs> no, it's right, all right. Olive. Olive's a $1. Must have been very expensive pit. Lemon <laughs> chops are $4. Mr. You prepare something special for me? Yes, yes. What would you like? Ham a sandwich for 20 cents. (laughs) 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 Sir, you must be joking. Our cover charge is $4. Then take away the tablecloth. (laughs) Well, while you're thinking it over, would you like to order a drink? That's what I like. Good, good. What'll it be? Two glasses of water. <laughs> what can I do? I'll bring it. Two glasses of water, 80 cents. Oh, Mamma mia. Dr. Pasquale, he's to do this on a meat purpose. Now, what am I going to do? Oh, Luigi, I'm enjoying myself immensely. Uh, what did you order for us? Nothing. Oh, you're so considerate. You wouldn't order without me. Well, I know just what I want. Steak. I was afraid of that, but let's you go. Oh, we just came. And they have such a good floor show. Danny Thomas and the Fat Flying the Coppice. Listen to Peggy. Listen to Peggy, I must tell you the truth. The reason we go is because I... Luigi, my friend. Hello, Luigi. Hello, hello, hello. I see you celebrate. Well, sit down. We join you. Pasquale, we're going to... Pasquale, don't push. Then stay. We all have a good time. Let's go, Luigi. Oh, you're here alone, Pasquale? No, I'm here with my daughter, Rosa, the two of us. We're a preacher. <laughs> Rosa, come here. Say hello to Luigi. <laughs> hello, Luigi. Hello. <laughs> hello, Rosa. Say hello to the young lady. Hello, young lady. Hello, Rosa. Anything else you want me to say, Papa? No, shut up your face. <laughs> We're very happy to be your guest. I'm glad somebody's happy. Well, we're going to eat. I love the food. Luigi, you eat yet? No, the food here is too rich. <laughs> I don't think what do you mean. Well, I'm order. Waiter. Yes, sir. Uh, put this down. Two shrimp cocktails, uh, two vegetable soup, uh, two chef salad, two T-bone steak, two mashed potatoes, two string of beans. Two bottles of beer, two Boston cream pie, two cups of coffee, and a two plates ice of cream. Will that be all? No, I'll have two the same. After the best supper I'm having in my life, a steak, a potatoes, a pie, a ice cream, but what could have come after such a supper? The electric chair. <laughs> Luigi, 
a wonderful host. I'm so full I could bust. When? Hey, Pasquale, I hope you and the Ross enjoy the meal. Very much, Tony. I'm sorry, Luigi, don't eat it because the man who pays the check, he should eat. That's a good idea, Pasquale. You eat, you pay the check. <laughs> no, Luigi, I'm not going to take this pleasure away from you. Please, foster yourself, Pasquale. <laughs> no, it's no use. Tony, give Luigi the check. Tony, Tony, I'm ashamed, but I must... Have Luigi, that I Luigi, no... sit down. Huh? Pasquale. <laughs> the check. <laughs> I'm not going to pay. <laughs> Luigi's going to pay. Oh, no. You wait till you pay. <laughs> Before I pay. You wash the dish. Oh, no. First you pay. What a cheap frame-up. <laughs> All right, I pay, but I'm going to never come here again. The food is terrible. I know, sir. I'll have two of the same. Oh, shut up, you thing. Well, Tony, thank you. Hey, sit down, sit down, Luigi. Don't run away. I'm going to explain why I give Pasquale the check. Why? Well, six years ago, Pasquale bring me to Chicago. Uh-huh. He promised me big opportunity. What do you think is a big opportunity? Not to tell me. You're right. Rosa. <laughs> One year he make my life a miserable trying to marry me to Rosa. But tonight, tonight I finally get even with him and thanks to you, Luigi, my countryman. You're welcome, Tony. But please, now we have to go. No, no, no. Now you and your girlfriend sit down and eat. Eat? Yes. The food is on the house. Thanks, Tony. But if it's a stand to you, please put the food on the table. <laughs> All right, what are you going to have? I'm going to let the Peggy order. Peggy, your favor, please. Steak, potatoes, pie, ice cream, coffee, bread and butter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, Tony, one more thing. What's that? No water. <laughs> well, uh, good night, to Peggy. Thank you, Luigi. Is it this American custom? Standing in the hallway? Yeah. But don't ring on the doorbells. You wake up all the neighbors. Peggy, I'm going to tell you something. It's the first time tonight I'm going to go out to an American girl. Tell the truth. You and I have a good time, huh? Oh, no, Luigi. I had a wonderful time. You did? Uh-huh. I don't believe you. Oh, <laughs> yes. Do you know what I like about you, Luigi? You like? Yes. Every other fellow I go out with, all they can think of is wrestling. You're different. If you like, I study wrestling. No! Luigi, <laughs> I'm not doing anything Tuesday night. Maybe you're not doing anything Tuesday night. So what? Maybe we're both are not doing anything Tuesday night. No. It means we have a date. Oh, oh. Good night. Good night. I said good night. That's what I said. <laughs> good night. Good night. Good night. And so, Mama Mia, I'm a closing this letter to tell you everything that come out the good on my first date with American a girl. But maybe you think I was act a little too fresh. I let the girl kiss me. <laughs> also, Mamma Mia, I must say, I'm a very grateful to Alexander Graham Abella for an event being a telephone operator. P.S. <laughs> you're a loving son of Luigi, the little immigrant. over most of these stations when Luigi Vasco writes another letter to Mama Vasco describing his adventures in America. Life with Luigi is a Cy Howard production and is written by High Craft and Cy Howard and stars J. Carol Nash as Luigi Vasco with Alan Reed as Pasquale. Music is directed by Lynn Murray. Bob Lamont speaking.
This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Let George Do It, followed by Life of Riley. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.